0: welcome to puck talk cs we have a great special guest on here tonight we're recording on august 14th we have justin bean he goes by beaner he's from leafs late night a podcast that covers the toronto maple leafs they're all they're all canadian boys who cover the toronto maple leafs they have some great discussions a few episodes back they were talking about how lululemon could possibly could be a good possible choice to do the designs for the nhl jerseys rather than adidas who will be leaving after next season so beaner it's nice to have you
1: on thanks for having me it's nice to be here yeah well welcome aboard puck Talk yes obviously it's great to have you here thanks for joining us and as everyone knows we've been talking a lot lately about the leafs so it will be interesting to bring another perspective to the conversation but first I don't know, Beener, if you want to introduce yourselves, let the listeners know a little bit more yourself, and what you do over at uh, Leafs Late Night. So yeah, like uh, like it was said, I'm
2: Beener. Um, we're Leafs Late Night. We typically do an episode after every Leafs game. We break down the game, talk about the, the goings-on in the NHL at the time. Um, I basically joined on halfway through the season last year as, as uh, the hockey nerd, hockey historian. With kind of a little bit more of a reserved and calm take on things, so it's a nice little little mixture. We've got uh, Roscoe and Steph, the fanalist, fan and Sully and Darty and me. So, yeah, it's been it's pretty fun jumping into it and getting on board. And huge hockey nerd, love talking hockey. So any chance I can, why not?
1: That's great. I gotta I gotta ask before we start talking about the uh, the off season. What was your mood after Game Seven in the first round of the playoffs this year? How are you feeling? <laughs> I don't know why I didn't expect that question.
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, to to sum it up simply is heartbreak. Like you're so invested in the team throughout the entire year, and you see glimpses all year that this you know there's a good chance this year is going to be different the team's playing better as a solid unit rather than you know just individuals trying to look at their personal stats and realistically in that seven game series the Leafs I'm gonna I wanted to say they mopped the floor with the, the lightning and that sounds really bad and I'm gonna probably be chirped for that but for the most part in that series they weren't out of place they they Showed everybody they can stay with them, and I'm not blaming it on the refs because you still have to win the game. The refs ref the Lightning as much as they ref the Leafs, but there was some very very shoddy calls in that series, going both ways. But there were some shoddy calls, and when it came down to it, the Leafs didn't do what everybody says they have no problems doing. They didn't score, so heartbreak is the 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 summary of that. Well, no further <laughs> ado, let's talk some puck. All right, well, let's
0: move on from uh, that. the shock from that discussion. I think, uh, honestly, Beener, kind of what you were saying was um, how I felt. I thought that I was watching with a bunch of buddies at college. I was like, listen, it's game six overtime. They have to win tonight. Like, they have to win tonight because you never want the emphasis to be on game seven. Now, you just mentioned you're a history guy, right? I don't know the exact number. How many years in a row has it been where they had – or how many years – since Austin Matthews was drafted uh, 2016 when they made that postseason, how many times did they have the lead in the series before game 6 and then it was forced to 7? I'm pretty sure it was a few times against Boston, right?
2: Yeah, and they they did have it a couple times against the Habs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's disheartening and um, frustrating, but it's it, it's sports, right? That's why we love it. The thrill of, of the potential. Like, all it takes is, is one one little bounce or something. Look at that series against the Habs in the bubble. like Or not the bubble, in, in the COVID playoffs. Like, if Galchenyuk didn't make that stupid pass or Kerfoot had a couple of them last year or the ridiculous interference penalty on Justin Hall, which you guys can take him, by the way. Yeah. Um, mm. <laughs> I could go on, I but I think it's, I, off the top of my head, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's about four or five times total since Matthews has been in the league that they've had the lead in this in a series and weren't able to close it out.
0: All right. So I know that the tough thing about the Toronto Maple Leafs is there's always a sizzling question. Steve and I have grown up in the New York market. We talked about a pre-show sizzling. There's always a question. There's always a topic of discussion. And i know this came up i don't know who exactly spoke their mind on it on this episode for your podcast for Leafs late night but you've all been on the record stating that you don't see matthews leaving what makes austin matthews stay and i know there's some historical conversation that comes into play on who he is as a player who he is as a teammate Um, what he can do in Toronto, an original six franchise as an individual with his goal scoring ability. So what, what do you think is the number one incentive for Austin Matthews to stay in the Toronto Maple Leafs uniform and
2: stay in the city of Toronto? The, the general consensus, at least on our podcast and really with a lot of people is the, the type of person that Matthews is like, He doesn't seem like a a Sidney Crosby, you know, Matt Sundin type where he just kind of wants to do his thing and go home. Like, he loves the spotlight. He craves that attention. He wants to be the best. Not that other players don't, but he... Like, the guy's friends with Justin Bieber, who's a massive Leafs fan, international music star. Like, he wants the eyes to be on him, and he has the, the mental fortitude to be able to handle that. And when it comes to hockey, especially in Canada, there's not much more places to have any more pressure than Toronto. So to be able to play there, to be... Like, he's already in the top 10 in so many different categories for Leafs all-time. Like, the guy's ninth all-time already on the Leafs and goals. The team's been around over 100 years. Like, that's incredible. Um, so the fact that he has the potential to be one of the driving factors to lead them to their first Stanley Cup since the late sixties. And the basically the fame that he can get here. He's not gonna get that playing in Arizona. Like, they're playing in a five thousand seat university arena next year. Do you really think he wants to do that or does he want to play in
1: the hockey capital of Canada? That's a valid point. I, I do get that. Um I do have to ask though as a fan, has any of you guys speculated or do you think there will be any scenario where he does leave? I
2: could see... Like, if they go out this year and they they fail again in the first round or, say, management starts taking some drastic moves and they trade Marner or something crazy like that, I could see that kind of ticking him off and you got to be really careful because like he's 24 years old. He's basically going to be signing on for the, he can sign afterwards, but basically for the rest of his playing career. So he has to look at the team, the direction of the team, what management is trying to do to put the pieces around him and see, Hey, yes, I'm the center of the hockey world, at least in Canada. Everybody knows me. I have all the pressure in the world, like everything I could ever want. But no offense to basketball fans out there. This isn't basketball. You can't do it by yourself.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: If they're not putting the the pieces around him, it doesn't matter how good he is. Like Gretzky never won a cup once he left Edmonton, right? He didn't have the pieces around him. So if, if he's looking at the team that, the management team is putting together around him and he's not seen as something that he likes that could be a factor saying hey you know what i don't want to start going through rebuilds i want out
1: interesting you brought up uh marner um you, you see him being traded that's an interesting one
2: i i know I, I don't i was just like that was a hypothetical because okay. matthews and marner are such close friends so yeah. if management looked at it and said you know what we can get a lot for him and they traded him that might be enough to tick him off and be like look this guy's the best One of the best wingers in the league. Why are you trading them when we're trying to win?
0: Yeah. And the top six seems quite set. John, you know, one two punch, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, you have Nylander, Marner up there. How do you feel about the offensive depth for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the 2022 2023, the upcoming NHL season?
2: This is a, 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 Good topic of discussion a lot of times on our podcast because we all have varying opinions on some of the players. Basically, this year, we're kind of banking on maybe finding another diamond in the rough like we did with bunting last year. So you have Adam Gaudet. And if I remember correctly, Gaudet was a force for the U.S. for the Olympics last year. Um, So he's looking for a little bit bigger of a role. You have um, N.A.K., Nicholas Abe Kubel that we took from Colorado who they were using him in like a third fourth line role but I could even see him starting the season on the second line with Tavares and Nylander essentially they're kind of looking at having people promote from within type thing like Mm -hmm. Nicholas Robertson's been dying for a chance he's basically a point of game player in the AHL he scored a whole whack of goals in the OHL as last year so He's showing the trends that he can do it wherever he plays. So he just needs to do it at the NHL level. Um, so outside the top six, right now it's kind of a wait-and-see wait approach. Mm-hmm. Like you have David Camp, who is turning out to be one of the best shutdown centers. Mm-hmm. So you're not really looking for offense from him, but you'd want maybe a little bit more from Pierre Engvall. You want more from Kerfoot. But they've got kind of a lot of guys who are more utility players. They can do a little bit of everything. So I think... And and I think really you can afford to have that because you have six, 50 to 60 goals out of Matthews. You have 30 out of Tavares, 30 out of Marner, 30 out of Nylander. Like, just ballparking here. Another 20 to 30 out of Bunting. Like, you're getting to a point where you're not going to need another 20 or another 30 goal guy you just need a whole everybody else to be consistent pretty
1: much so what do you think moving because i agree with you i think that um looking at the leafs for next season i think the offense is very promising i think it looks very good and i'd be excited as a leafs fan but what would you say moving into next season because uh chives and i uh, share the same opinion on this what do you think would be the biggest question mark on the team what position because we have the same opinion, I'm curious to see if you think if if you have the the same perspective as a fan, what position uh, is the biggest question mark moving forward with this team uh, next season? Would you like
0: to buy a vowel for that one? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, basically, it's it's the the only thing being discussed about in Toronto right now. Um, and it's it's goaltending. Like, yes. Uh, I, I was a guest on another podcast earlier this week, and we literally broke down the entire goaltending depth pool for the Leafs. So it's... Depending who you ask, it's either a complete, basically career-ending move by Dubas, putting faith in almost two reclamation projects, or it's a guy playing 3D chess... Or 3D chess, sorry, and he's found like a market inefficiency on goalies who maybe haven't been put in the right positions or been given the best chances to su- to succeed. And lately, like you guys, don't have to worry about goaltending. You haven't had to worry about goaltending since the late <laughs> 90s. Um, how you went from Richter to Lundqvist to Shostak, I'll never know. Um, but unless you have a Shosturkin or a Vasilevsky or a Sorokin, unless you have one of those guys who by the end of their career is going to be up in the top 10 or 15 goaltenders of all time, then I think you have to completely look at it a different way and look at the team as a unit. Like if you look at Colorado going into last season, Grubauer was a Vesna candidate and they let him walk how many people do that? Like unless you're the Vegas Golden Knights, but we've all seen that they're a horribly managed team. <laughs> um, and then they had Kemper and they won a cup with Kemper and they let him walk. So if you build the proper team and play the right system, you don't need that all-star goalie. Who's going to get you 10 shutouts a year. You just need a goalie. That's going to be competent. Carolina does the same thing. They had Mrazek and Nadalkovic let them both walk. And same thing last year. They were still a deadly team. Excuse me, even though Freddie Anderson's hurt all the time. So getting Murray and Samsonov, it's it's a gamble. I didn't really like the Murray trade at first. I thought they didn't retain enough salary in it, but I've dug into it a little bit more, and I'm cautiously optimistic about this season.
1: Interesting. I'm curious to see if... Um... What about um, your other buddies uh, on the podcast? How do they feel about the goaltending situation moving forward?
2: Well, Darty, um, shout out to Darty. We love you, buddy. Um, He is very opinionated, and he kind of felt that they should have maybe just tried to struggle a little bit to start the season with a couple of the rookies and tried to make a trade during the season. Um, I know Steph the fanalist on our that's that's her her nickname on our podcast she was a little disappointed we didn't just throw the money at jack and keep him. so there's there's a, a varying degree of opinions on it in our pod but yeah it, it's gonna be an interesting year and you have to as, as diehard fans you have to kind of use the stats to make of it what you will, but you also got to just enjoy it, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, we're coming, you know, what we said, we did our episode with all of our hot takes after the draft and free agency on, you know, what the rosters were looking like on paper, like what are our thoughts? And I think what we tried to reiterate, uh what we iterate at the beginning of the episode and then kept Uh, going back to was you know anything is possible you know the Maple Leafs could really strike gold with this move now I don't know if that's exactly what could happen out of the gate the real question comes down to the only aspect that we didn't cover there's there's uh the three zones of play there's the crease and one of the zones we didn't talk about was the defensive zone so Mark Giordano returns. Morgan Riley's on a pretty big contract. Jake Muzzin's established himself in Toronto. You have three pretty solid veterans. How does this defense look with those defensive, uh, the younger defensive players coming through the system? As you mentioned, they kind of built with from within in that regard as well, with a player like Timothy Lilligren and uh, Sandine. Rasmus Sandine, So what's the defensive zone looking like for Toronto this season?
2: There's like, everybody looks at the Leafs defense core and yes, Riley is a, a great young defenseman. He's the longest tenured leaf on the team, but they don't have a headman. They don't have a Seth Jones, a Jacob Truba. Like, you know, they don't have a top name guy that is either going to score a crap ton or is going to hit people through the boards. So everybody just kind of looks at it and says, eh, it's it's okay. But if you compare it to the other defense cores in the Atlantic Division even, it's got to be right up there. Like, Muzzin, when he's healthy, and that's been a a big talking point lately because he does seem to get hurt a lot, is a great defensive defenseman. Riley's very reliable and stepped up huge last year after the contract extension. TJ Brody is probably the type of defenseman that every team wants because mm-hmm. you can go through an entire game and you can say, man, is Brody hurt? Like, I don't recall hearing anybody talk about him, but that like that's a good thing mm-hmm. because he's not making the mistakes. He's not putting himself in the position that you're like, oh, crap, why is he doing this? Or he needs to really be careful here. Giordano, when he came in, he really kind of was a calming Veteran influence on the back end for Timothy Lilligren. And Lilligren's one of the ones who the Leafs kind of lucked into getting him when they did his draft year. He actually got mono. So he dropped. He was supposed to be drafted a lot higher and he dropped all the way to what was it, 17th overall or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's still only 23. So he's got a lot of room to grow. Sandine, I love Sandine. I've talked about him a lot on our podcast. It was really unfortunate that he got injured last year and Dubis needs to get off his butt and re-sign him because he's a restricted free agent right now. And then there's Justin Hall. So he is a a hot-button topic when it comes to Toronto fans and Toronto media because if you look at some of his underlying numbers, they actually look pretty good, but the eye test just does not do it for me. Like that guy, every time there's a bad goal against, for some reason he's either in the line of sight or it's going in off him or he's literally in the crease preventing the goalie from coming over to make a save. But even with his shortcomings, it's still a lot better of a defensive core than a lot of people think it is.
0: So I have a pretty sizzling sizzling hot question for the people of Toronto. And it's great to talk to someone that actually lives there. I know I actually just texted Steve because this came to mind. I was like, this is <laughs> this is a question I definitely like I want to ask because me uh-huh. and my brother and I talk about it all. I always bring it up. I'm like, what is the deal with the Toronto media and Toronto fans? There always seems to be one player after every postseason that takes a lot of the heat. And it's historical. And I you've mentioned how you're a history guy, so I don't have to speak much to that. Where do you think that comes from like within the the culture, socially uh, of Maple leaf fans across the internet pre-internet? like where did this start? and then how does it how is it perpetuated where I, I know obviously this season was Justin Hall. Before, it seemed to be Freddie Anderson at times. Uh, I know there was a history with Phil Kessel, Dion Phaneuf. Like, where where does it start from? Is, is it because, do you think it's like from the frustration of postseason losses, or do you think it's just something that has been a part of the Toronto culture where when they see a hole in the lineup, they want it fixed?
2: So, and this is my view on it, is historically, you go right from basically from the 40s till now, the Leafs have always been kind of a blue-collar team. Like, they've had stars on their team, but they've never really, before Matthews, they've never really had a guy that you can look at and say, yep, he's the best player in the league, right? They've always been more of a complete team. Like, when they were winning the Cups in the 40s, when they were winning the Cups in the 60s, sure, they had guys like frank mahovlich and dave keon that were stars Mm
1: -hmm. but they
2: weren't the best in the league so going from that and then even coming up through the 70s they had good players they didn't have the gretzkys they didn't have the mike Bossies. they didn't have players that you were looking at as the best and then you come into social media and when the toronto the Toronto media members and people had more of a platform. Then you're looking at all these teams that are winning, and you're seeing what they have and players that do this or do that. And you're asking, well, why don't the Leafs have it? So then you start picking away things all the time. And when you have a team that hasn't won a championship in this long, like we're we're starting to get close to sixty years here, guys. <laughs> like, it it starts, you maybe go a little bit too far. Um, you also have to, like, people don't realize, you have to look at it a little bit broader of a, a spectrum. None of these guys had anything to do with the failures pre-2016, mm-hmm. right? Like, so everybody's looking at, oh, all the Leafs haven't been past the first round since 2003, 2004. Okay, most of this team was still in school in (laughs) (laughs) 2003-2004. Yeah, (laughs) like, like, like really. So it's not like these guys have been there. Okay. Aside from Riley, who's been there since 2012, these guys haven't been there for the whole thing. So when you look at a certain failure and I was two years ago, I I was bad for this because I called out Marner I said that that should have been the last game Marner ever played in a Leafs jersey, and I ate crow for it because that definitely there's a reason why I'm saying that sitting on a couch and not in a, you know, a press box somewhere. Um, but it's it's part of caring so much. You just want there to be one quick fix. Like you look at that one player. Like oh, nope, if they did this, or if they were better then we could have won. And it's I think it just it it accumulates over time all the losses, all the heartbreak. Excuse me, the people like Brian Burke and Dave Nonis coming in and completely destroying the team and setting them back decades. Like the Leafs have been so poorly run for so long that people don't even realize that Dubis is actually doing a good job. Sorry, went on a little rant
0: there. <laughs> Listen, that let cooler heads prevail then. But no, I totally <laughs> it is an interesting perspective. But Steve, I don't know what uh your thoughts are where ever were on that. We haven't really talked about it much on the show, but I know that's a very, very uh, a topic that's really been in the media lately and on, on social media is that you know, like I remember seeing Justin Hole and at that point I thought to myself, you know, like I understand everything and and where you're coming from but I also thought to myself like I don't know if he was going to be the guy that was going to score in game six the overtime goal like I I did think he ended up being in the net for that but <laughs> from my understanding but um yeah I think that that question has been on my mind for a while I'm, I'm really glad I was able to actually talk to a a native of Toronto to uh kind of learn about that and someone who's well-versed in history. So I appreciate that you were, uh, you were able to answer that with a, a nice, uh, that's a good answer. answer. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than we, I'm sure other guests
2: we've had in the past would have been a little more passionate or overboard about it. Well, and like you, it, it doesn't help that anything and everything you read or hear just completely drags everybody and everything that the team is doing through the mud. Like, TSN it basically the Canadian ESPN equivalent, they've some of the guys they have on there now, like a former player Carlo Koliakovo, every single thing Kyle Dubas is doing, he's just completely trashing it. He's going on like it's the end of the world that we let Jack walk, like Jack Campbell. Whereas he was one of the people beforehand stating that he didn't think Campbell could make it as a number one. Like, you really want to put that kind of commitment to a guy who, yes, he was a highly touted prospect, and yes, he played great for the Leafs, but you want to put that type of commitment into him when he's had one season as a starting goalie, and he's entering his 30s. Like, at some point, you need to take a step back, touch grass, and kind of look at it
1: a little more calmly. I definitely could tell that you're more of an experienced Leafs fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, I I do agree with you. I think that uh, recently, I think the the Leafs are moving more in a, in, in a better direction than they have in the past. Now, here on our last episode, we did a segment where we gave our hot takes for the upcoming season, and one of my hot takes was that I believe that the Leafs will finally win a playoff series this upcoming season. So I want to gauge your opinion. How realistic do you think this is? Because honestly I see this, I see this as happening. Um I think that they're still obviously one of the best teams in the Atlantic. So where do you see this as do you see this as a reality? How do you view this as a fan? If you look at
2: the last four first round playoff series the Leafs were in. They lost in Game 7. It's not like they got swept. It's not like they just completely got destroyed and, and manhandled every single game. They've been there. When Matthews and Marner were still young in the league, they took the almighty Boston Bruins to Game 7 twice. Like, And the fact that they can do that to the defending Stanley Cup champs, who completely mopped the floor with the President's Trophy-winning Florida Panthers. I I think it's it's a very real possibility. And if the league was better managed, we can definitely go down a rabbit hole talking about Mr. Bettman. Um, If the league was better managed, you wouldn't have a potential conference final in the first round.
0: Agreed, my brother and I have those conversations all the time about formats and whatnot, especially in an Atlantic division where it's pretty top heavy. You have three rebuilding teams that Steve and I have talked at length on, I hate saying like our last episode, but um, <laughs> sometimes, but we talked about, you know, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, but they're really the clear cut teams are on top. Now, the last question I wanted to ask uh, Beaner was, what do you see as the biggest strength or a new strength with this team this upcoming season and the challenging weakness aside from goaltending? Because I know we, we've talked about the murray off tandem, um, and I think he, you have to just see how that plays out. But looking at the roster right now, what would be uh, the greatest strength of this roster and what's a
2: challenging weakness that they might have to overcome? I think the greatest strength would probably still be your, like the superstar talent on it, because even though one or two players can't win a game, when you can roll out Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, like any team in the league would kill to have that type of firepower at the top end of their forward group. So I think that's still one of of the strengths on the team. Especially when you have the emergence of how complete the game is. Like Austin Matthews, he scored 60 goals this year. One of, if not the best goal scorers in the NHL at this time. And you can't argue that. His peers voted him the best player in the league. So anybody that wants to argue that, by all means, come at me. Um, but he, he plays a complete game. He comes back and he'll strip players of the puck. And he does it quietly, but he still does it. He doesn't just sit in the offensive zone and wait for Marner to get him the puck so he can bury it. So you have play, the superstars who are still doing all the little things. Mitch Marner blocking shots on the penalty kill. Like how many 90 to 100 point wingers are doing that? So that's still a, a, a big strength. The we, the biggest question mark probably is going to be that getting consistent secondary scoring. Not that it's needed a lot, but you do need it when guys have off nights. They do. Everybody has had off nights. Um, so you do need to have some sort of a threat from further down the lineup. And that's, that's probably just going to be where, like I said, the biggest question is going to be. You need players like Nick Robertson to step up and have a, a great year and earn a spot on the team. You need Bunting to continue doing what he did. Coming into the Leafs last year. And then, with regards to the goaltending, I broke it down a couple times. Like, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. Matt Murray is a previous two time Stanley Cup champion who had surprisingly decent underlying numbers on a horrible Senators team. And he's coming to a team that has a coach and a general manager that he's used to from his OHL days. And the head goalie, coach, slash scout. For the leafs john elkin he's been working with matt murray at his goalie school since murray was 10. so they know this guy like it's it's not like they're bringing in a complete stranger and then samsonoff is still only 25 years old he was a, a a highly touted goalie prospect coming over from russia and he was forced into the starting role in washington without any support so there's even a lot of a, a lot of promise there so a, a, a long
1: long-winded answer to your question but i'm curious um out of both goaltenders you just mentioned uh as of right now and of course this is speculation there's no way that any of us are gonna know but who do you have more faith in with regards to faith i would
2: probably have to say murray because he's been there like he has been a starting goaltender in the league he has faced the pressures of playing in a Stanley cup final um Sonoff was given the chance a couple times to be a number one guy and just couldn't really take it and run with it. So I would have to definitely say Murray.
0: Matt Murray, it is then. Well, Beener, thank you so much for coming on. The Toronto Maple Leafs will, I'm positive, we'll be conversing about them as the season goes along. There always seems to be something that happens that kind of brings the focus around the, the hockey world right back to toronto like with the uh patan flurry save a few seasons back 2019 something always brings us back so i'm sure we'll have you or any of the leafs late night uh personnel on for another podcast because we love
2: talking the Leafs as well they're a hot topic always so thank you for coming on and taking time with us tonight no problem thanks for having me and like everybody always says the hockey world revolves around
1: the leafs right it always comes back to the leafs (laughs) well that'll do us here for puck talk cs episode another great special guest What, what what are the leafs gonna do i don't know chives we're gonna have to see We'll obviously of course have to check in as the season evolves but everyone thank you for listening and always remember it's just the luck of the puck